0: Today, we'll look at tribalism and how it's cropping up in the Joe Rogan experience debate with whether or not he should be canceled off of Spotify for COVID misinformation. And then we'll also look at tribalism at its best with what the Canada truckers are doing right now and their revolt against Justin Trudeau. We'll look at that and much more on today's show. You're about to make the jump from the echo chamber into free and independent thought on the subjects of culture, causes, politics, and faith. Welcome to the show today. I'm really excited about sharing some of this stuff with you guys. Can't wait to jump into it before I do so. Because I'm a good leftist, I always like to blackmail and extort you into liking, subscribing, and sharing this video with others. So please do that. Actually, let's flip that around and just say, because I care about you and sharing is caring, I want to encourage you to share this podcast with others. Thank you so much for watching because it really does mean a lot as uh, jumping into... This new year and this new just like mountain of content that we are providing for you guys is a lot of work, but I feel like the need is so great that, uh, that it needs to be done. So hopefully this is informative to you. If it is, I, I hope that you'll extend that kindness uh, toward other people and hopefully it'll be informative to them as well. Now, before we jump into the rest of the show, as I always do, I want to try to encourage you, arm twist you, uh, can you even say, what what is that thing called? Indian, uh, Indian arm burn or whatever? Can we do that? I don't think you can do that anymore.
1: How many of you would say that you're prejudiced? Show of hands.
0: Anyway, I don't even remember what it's called, but um, I will try to arm twist wherever I can to make sure that you know that this is a great time to get a home loan or to refinance your home and the person to do that with is Element Funding. These guys are an incredible... Uh, great support system for us here at Indie Thinker. They care about your values. They share your values. More importantly, they have great customer service because they care about you. Uh, they are, without doubt, one of the best in the game, and they will make sure that when you get pre-approved for a home, they're not just trying to pump you through the system as another cog in the wheel like a good communist, but they'll actually make sure that you can Purchase the home that you're qualifying for. So, before interest rates go crazy, before the stock market goes any more topsy turvy than it already is, because by the way, cryptocurrency is about half of what it was uh, about two weeks ago or so, um, and things are just moving around all the time. Inflation is here to stay and it's going to create, even though the economy is getting better, inflation is totally balancing that out. So, suffice to say, now is the time to go ahead and qualify for a historic low interest rate to make sure that you can get a great rate and a great price, purchasing price on your home today. So check out the guys over at Element Funding by going to kevinblairteam.com. Even if you don't live in their area, they can try to help you find an Element Funding in your area that can help you get your home today. Mindless tribalism is all the rage these days. And if you're really going to understand why it is, you need to know some basic facts about human existence. So first of all, People need to believe in something. What the new atheist and really anyone that opposes religion does not realize about themselves is that they too, along with billions of other Christians, have a faith-based existence. We all operate our lives on basic faith uh, propositions every single day. Why else do we have dreams and aspire to do things that we would otherwise be impossible if we didn't have faith to believe in it? So we all believe in something. The second thing is this, is people need to believe in something because we were created to matter. We were created with intrinsic value. And in our age, people are so desperate for meaning in the absence of traditional values that any agenda will do. Aldous Huxley, who's one of my favorite authors and the author of Brave New World said this, in regard to propaganda, the early advocates of universal literacy and a free press envisioned only two possibilities. The propaganda might be true or that propaganda might be false. They did not foresee what in fact has happened And above all in Western capitalist democracies, the development of a vast mass communications industry concerned in the matter neither with the true nor the false, but with the unreal, the more or less totally irrelevant. In a word, they fail to take into account man's almost infinite appetite for distractions. Now, hopefully that quote doesn't need too much explanation, but suffice to say, we have a capacity for belief that is deep inside of each and every one of us. This is why things like Scientology exist and people actually believe in it because we do have a desire to believe in something. So here's the point. We all believe in good. We all believe in evil. We all believe in God and the devil, even if you're an atheist. This is where tribalism is, is helpful. If we can agree on evil, tribalism is helpful in helping us fight it together. But if we don't settle for historic biblical Christianity or another monotheistic faith, typically what happens is you become God, and then any person you wish to demonize or otherwise will become the devil. And it's important to note here that this is why finger-pointing at ourselves In this age is so rare. By the way, a big fan of finger pointing, just so you know, but only if you can do it at yourself as well. But when you make yourself God, you don't point fingers at yourself. You only point at others. This is why we have a modern-day leftist culture that is absolutely obsessed with everybody else, and they cannot realize their own lunacy. Herein is the problem. With that practical atheism and that moral deism that inundates our society, you must develop a cause and anything will do as long as you can find a group of people to encircle like a pack of vultures and join you in your fight. Social media has made it more possible for than ever for this to happen. You can easily find a small group of people that are empty and desperate that will join you in jumping on the attack with whatever self-righteous cause you find. The mindless tribalism that we're seeing so often has become more and more of a reality thanks to social media. Thanks a lot. Zup. The bigger problem is that the legacy news media is mostly a bunch of godless and gutless cowards and they only wish to go where the dead bodies are so they're part of the problem with tribalism. But there's still a bright light in the midst of the godless, mindless tribalism of our age. The truth still exists and it still matters. And when those godless vultures encircle brave men and women, hopefully they will take a stand like what's going on in Canada with those truckers. There are people who will still in our modern day stand up against activists who only wish to control you. So to be sure, tribalism is a reality. People flock together with things that are like However, tribalism is also kind of a dangerous thing if we're not careful. To suggest that the truth is merely a fabrication of the tribe that you wish to ascribe to is a total dilution of truth. Yes, people flock together over shared interests, but people do more than just flock together in tribes over the truth. People recognize the truth and they come together over the truth because it is powerful. So whether your tribe is a part of the good side, or the dark side. Well, that's what we'll talk about today, and you'll see that in some of our headlines. So let's jump into them. So it'll come as no surprise to you that I look forward to castigating evil and calling evil, evil. Now, we live in a society today that is so inundated with postmodernism that that it's hard to do that anymore. And ultimately, I just mean this, that we live in a society where truth has become totally subjective and not a, a objective reality. And by that, I just simply mean that we can all agree upon, regardless of color, race, ethnicity, background, we can all agree on things that are wrong and we can agree on things that are right. This This has been the case throughout history. When things have been agreed upon that were wrong, they were still wrong. And when things were agreed upon that were right, they were right. And even if nobody agreed upon them, they were still right in the midst of anybody's agreement with it. So this is what I mean by objective moral values. And we're seeing right now a righteous stand in Canada. So here's a headline from the Daily Mail. Canada's freedom convoy of up to 50,000 truckers begins to arrive in Ottawa ahead of a weekend of protest against the vaccine requirements to cross the U.S.-Canada border. So we've all been given a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to appreciate Canada. I know, like I said, doesn't come very often, but here we are in the midst of 2022 and Can- Canadians are doing something brave. They're, <laughs> at least the truckers are anyway, and then many people who are, who are following this movement. over 50,000 truckers are headed to the capital in Ottawa to protest vaccine mandates. Now, uh, they, it's been reported that they've broken a Guinness Book of World Records, so I, I've heard that that's not true, so we'll see what happens there. But suffice to say, 50,000 truckers, approximately, who are now driving in a, a long line of trucks um, from all over Canada, headed to the capital, all to protest, protest together vaccine mandates. Now, this is the kind of thing that just gives you inspiration, Now, you may even love vaccines. You may think that the best thing in the world to do is to make sure that 70% of your bodily fluids is comprised of vaccine. This is not about whether or not we're pro-vaccine, anti-vax, middle of the road, uh, (laughs) squish-vax, whatever. Whatever your stance is on vaccines, the one thing that I hope we can appreciate here is that these truckers are taking a stand, risking their livelihood, So many of the self-righteous, morally undeserved stances of people, especially on the left today, where, by the way, I'm not the only one pointing this out. People like Bill Maher are increasingly pointing out. um, So often, their righteous stands don't cost them anything. Now, I'm thinking of even people like... uh, uh Lin Manuel Miranda who just did uh his movie The Heights and then came out immediately afterwards and apologized for not having any Afrocentric Latinos in uh in his in his movie um, and, 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 and instead of appreciating the fact that it was a diverse cast, it wasn't diverse enough. And so, of course, the can- left is cannibalizing itself over the most ridiculous things on the planet uh, because they cannot tell the difference between outrage and maybe even a little oversight. So while they cannibalize themselves and destroy themselves over the most ridiculous things on the planet, there are things that are worth standing up for that are, that are calling people's attention. And this is one of those things. Even if you're the most pro-vaccine person on the planet, I guess, at the end of the day, what I'm saying is that this is, this is obviously and objectively a good thing. But here's the real question. How do we figure out what a good fight is? How do we figure out what a bad fight is? Because, I mean, we've all got different opinions, right? And we all have different perspectives on this thing. Again, I hope we can all agree that what these Canada truckers are doing, because they're willing to risk something for what they're doing. And people like Lin-Manuel Miranda, when he's apologizing for making his In the Heights movie, he's not risking anything. In fact, he's taking a gutless, cowardly move but but again how do we know what a good fight is and what a bad fight is well i bring you back to kind of the covid idea and and the overreach of the federal government and the overreach of bureaucracy and what i mean by that is just simply this it's it's really interesting to me how we quickly made a jump in covid between Our government officials informing us what was in our best interest and our government officials telling us what to do. Some people quickly blurred the lines between those two things. And they immediately, because of a irrational fear or a desire for safety or maybe even a desire for control as things are going out of control, they felt like they would immediately be okay with bureaucrats telling them what to do rather than their traditional role of just informing. So now here's where we have a real problem today is because we do not understand the difference between these two things. We quickly want to classify something that we disagree with as misinformation when people are informing us about things we don't like. But then whenever anybody wants to control what another person is doing, well, that's obviously good if we can try to paint a narrative where that might be in the best interest of people. Suffice to say, the difference here between a good fight and a bad fight is a good fight is one where people are being informed and when people are standing for something that they personally believe in that affects them on a personal basis or at least affects other people in a way that's, that's meaningful. I guess I'll put it this way. Good tribes care about good things. Postmodernism has ruined that for us. Now there's only my tribe and your tribe and not the truth. But when you're fighting government overreach, that's clearly a good thing. And when you're fighting Joe Rogan because you don't like what his guests are saying, that's clearly a bad thing. And So I'll jump into my next headline to explain that a little bit further. The brilliant enlightened ones at The View... Defend Joe Rogan. He's a horror, but don't boot him off Spotify completely. So if you've been living under a rock, then you're not aware of the fact that right now Neil Young, uh, Joni Mitchell, and then I believe also Peter Frampton are pulling their music off of Spotify in protest to to Joe Rogan and the Joe Rogan experience, having on the, the audacity to have on the likes of people like Peter McCullough and Robert Malone. And so these aged artists that no longer have relevance in the culture anymore, and think that people actually care, are uh, pulling their music in enable, in order to go to to another platform. So uh, the the hosts of the view took this this story, um, and and tackled it in the most effervescent, most enlightening, most just life-changing, life-altering, mind-altering way that you could possibly imagine. So here's a little bit of their playful banter.
2: It's not Spotify's job. We have a First Amendment in this country. We have to stick with it. You can't just pick and choose when you want to use the First Amendment. I disagree with that. Okay, well, I'm gonna tell you what I mean, what I think. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I mean, I agree that Joe Rogan is a horror, a horror. Mm -hmm. Um, But the way to counter that bad speech is with more speech. The way to counter it is with boycot- uh, boycotts. Mm-hmm. Um, I admire Neil, uh, Neil for doing this, mm-hmm. Neil Young. He's from the 60s, you know, where musicians took political stands in those days. Mm-hmm. They didn't just let everything go the way they're doing now. I mean, I don't see too many people taking a stand right now. So maybe other musicians will follow suit. And that would be legitimate. Mm-hmm. But it's think- not a cancel culture. It's a consequence culture. And the way we handle is we don't buy Spotify. We ignore Spotify. But don't you want good corporate citizens, Joy? I mean, you have, you know, people always came down on Facebook and they came down on Twitter and they said they're disseminating all this dangerous information. Don't they have some accountability for it? It is their platform. It is their business. And I want a good corporate citizen.
0: I mean, I've just got to tell you, uh, Sunny just seems like she would absolutely fit in well in communist China, Uh, a good citizen corporation. What she means is she wants a corporation that does what she thinks they should do. Um, now, again, this could be like this is the problem with postmodernism. We can't come up with a conclusion as to what good citizenship looks like. No, we absolutely can. It just doesn't look like what Sonny says is good. Uh, no, it actually has to do with morality. We'll jump into that in just a minute. But I want to unpack the actual point uh, of the the conversation here is that, that uh, they should— They should step away from Spotify. They should run as far as they possibly can. We should support people like Neil Young. Um, And and here's the real issue, I think, is that they're going to support soft censorship here simply because they know if they really support censorship, well, then they're going to be on the chopping block eventually. Right, this is the whole Martin Niemoller thing. Like, first they came for this person, then they came for that person, and and I know these analogies are overwrought, but but ultimately the, the the poem is important because eventually they'll come for you, but there won't be anybody left to speak for you. So, the view hosts are only defending Joe Rogan only insofar it is it is self preservation for them. Uh, so they don't really care about free speech. They don't really care about intellectual dialogue. They don't really care about having thoughtful conversations. If that's not clear to anybody uh, at this point in time, then I don't know what I can do for you. Uh, their show is proof positive that they don't actually care about intellectual dialogue and diversity of, of thought and diversity of opinion. Uh, so that's that's really the thing that that they're after, is they're after a strong stance to cater to their vocal hysterical COVID mob that watches their show. Uh, but then also self-preservation so that they don't go too strong on Joe Rogan because they know that that they could easily be the next in line. Now, here is the big problem with the controversy writ large, as far as I can tell. The truth is is that these are people that are desperate for cultural attention. I mean, just look at this article right here. Harry and Meghan Markle, the Markle twins, expressed Spotify concerns over Rogan-Vax controversy. So now these disingenuous people, just like those on The View and perhaps even Neil Young and Joni Mitchell, regardless of the fact that they're from the protest generation in the 60s, what they are presently is culturally irrelevant, and so they're moving away from Spotify simply as a plea for attention. I think that's the biggest issue here. But but there's other issues uh, concerning this Joe Rogan controversy. The other one is this, is that, and this is perhaps the biggest one. When you look at these people who have an issue with what Joe Rogan is doing by having Robert Malone on and having Peter McCullough on, there is no actual real rebuttal of evidence. There's no people coming against the things that Robert Malone and Peter McCullough said poignantly or specifically. They're just calling it misinformation. Now, the funny thing about misinformation is that if I had said a year ago that cloth masks don't work, I could have got kicked off YouTube and that would be labeled misinformation. If a year ago, maybe two years ago, I had suggested that COVID came from a lab in Wuhan, the coronavirus lab in Wuhan, rather than from a bat, that would have been labeled misinformation. The point is, is that there's this fine line between misinformation and the information you don't like. And there is no clear rebuttal based upon the facts of what these people are saying in any of the articles against these people. I dare you. Go through them. Prove me wrong. Put a link down in the comments section. Everybody that's fighting the misinformation coming out of Joe Rogan doesn't actually have any counter information or any actual firm rebuttal of what these guys are saying. Not really when you dig into it. That's all semantics and it's all the immediate claim of misinformation thrown against people to see if it sticks and, it, and it's totally disingenuous. So misinformation is 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 mostly an invented term to otherize people. Here's Joe Rogan saying something similar to that when he issues a quasi apology, which I somewhat respect because he doesn't have to give it, uh, but um, but also wish he wouldn't feel the need to answer some of these ridiculous people. Uh, But anyway, here's his response on Instagram about this controversy.
1: One with uh, Dr. Peter McCullough and one with Dr. Robert Malone. Dr. Peter McCullough is a cardiologist and he is the most published physician in his field in history. Dr. Robert Malone owns nine patents on the creation of mRNA vaccine technology and is at least partially responsible for the creation of the technology that led to mRNA vaccines. Both these people are very highly credentialed, very intelligent, very accomplished people, and they have an opinion that's different from the mainstream narrative. I wanted to hear what their opinion is. I had them on, and because of that, those episodes in particular, uh, those episodes were labeled as being dangerous. They had dangerous misinformation in them. The problem I have with the term misinformation, especially today, is that many of the things that we thought of as misinformation just a short while ago are now accepted as fact. Like, for instance, eight months ago, if you said, if you get vaccinated, you can still catch COVID and you can still spread COVID, you would be removed from social media. They would, they would ban you from certain platforms. Now that's accepted as fact. If you said, I don't think cloth masks work you would be banned from social media. Now that's openly and repeatedly stated on CNN. If you said, I think it's possible that COVID-19 came from a lab, you'd be banned from many social media platforms. Now that's on the cover of Newsweek. All of those theories that at one point in time were banned were openly discussed by those two men that I had on my podcast that have been accused of dangerous misinformation.
0: And here's the real issue at at the end of the day. Critical thinking is dead. Critical thinking is dead. And so now we want people to do our thinking for us. I remember not so long ago, very small debates that were solved very quickly about whether or not Mein Kampf should be published and should be released. Mein Kampf, of course, is the autobiography of Adolf Hitler, how he came to prominence and how he developed the views that, that he has. Now, some people thought, no, we should not spread this hate. We should get rid of this hate. We should destroy it. But then other people said, let people think for themselves. Let people read the book. Let them see the total ridiculousness and the self-verifying, self, uh, self-effacing nature of truth. So that when people read this, they don't even need a disclaimer at the front of the book saying, you should never do this. No, when they read the book, they understand because it's evil at face value when they read it, so they read it merely to see what evil looks like without the need of a disclaimer. Now, we are living in an age where we desperately want to insulate people from everything that we disagree with. And I believe we're better off living in an age where people can say whatever they want to. I've said this before, and and I hope that it resonates. People aren't necessarily rushing to Joe Rogan to get their medical advice. This is a lie. This is something that is used to try to distort the truth, to try to suggest that people are dying because of Joe Rogan. This is not true. If we're going to have a real substantive conversation, let's have a substantive conversation about how uh, regulations passed down by the government being imposed upon medical facilities are actually one of the reasons that the death toll is so high. I've had two people in my family already with COVID that have died, and almost all of them can be traced back to the way in which COVID is being treated in these hospitals. But yet there's no national conversation about whether or not the regulations being passed down by the CDC and and the HHS are actually healthy and good for individualized patients and individualized care. No, we're not interested in that conversation because we'd rather just paint things misinformation and just do what we're told rather than to think for ourselves. Critical thinking is dead. It's our job to be responsible for how we handle information. It's not anybody else's job to figure out what information should be told. And we're handicapping people's ability to think for themselves when we try to mount up and, and jump on this censorship bandwagon. So forget the clowns, forget the socially irrelevant, think for yourself, and do this. If you agree with the ability to think for yourself and the ability of platforms like Spotify to allow Joe Rogan to have simple conversations that may disagree with other people, then here's what I would encourage you to do. Go get a Spotify membership today and show Spotify that you're in support of what they are doing and resist the nonsense of the silencers who believe it's their job to stifle the first amendment all right let's jump into the next headline <laughs> according to a CNN opinion writer barry weiss is slapping health workers in the face because she's done with covid so barry weiss was just recently on bill maher and there she gave one of the most epic uh i would say rants uh, about covid that i think we've heard in a long time and i appreciate her bravery in saying so and once again i don't care if you agree or disagree um the point is this is what she said right because we have this problem today we cannot sort between right and wrong all we know is whether we agree or disagree and everybody that disagrees should be shut down obviously because nobody should ever disagree with me needless to say in this epic rant from barry she she delivers some great information and some great insights and just some things to be thoughtful of if nothing else about COVID. so i want you to hear that here i'm
3: done with COVID. Oh, i'm accident. done it's yeah. like i I went so hard on COVID. I,
0: yeah, I remember. sprayed
3: the Pringles cans that I bought at the grocery store, stripped my clothes off because I thought COVID would be on my clothes. Like, I did it all. I watched Tiger King. I got to the end of Spotify. Like, <laughs> we all did it, right? And
0: no, no, we didn't all okay, do well, it.
3: Okay, well, here's the thing. A lot of us did do it. And then we were told, you get the vaccine. You get the vaccine, and you get back to normal. And... We haven't gotten back to normal. And it's ridiculous at this point. I know that so many of my liberal and progressive friends are with me on this, and they do not want to say it out loud because they are scared to be called anti-vax, or to be called science denial, or to be you know, smeared as a trumper. <laughs> I'm sorry. If you believe the science, you will look at the data that we did not have two years ago, and you will fi- find out that cloth masks do not do anything. You will realize that you can show your vaccine passport at a restaurant and still be asymptomatic and carrying Omicron. And you will realize, most importantly, that this is going to be remembered by the younger generation as a catastrophic moral crime. The city of Flint, Michigan, which is 80%, I think, minority students, has just announced indefinite virtual schooling. In the past two years, we've seen among young girls a 51% increase in self-harm, People are killing themselves. They are anxious. They are depressed. They are lonely. That is why we need to end it more than any inconvenience that it's been to the rest of us. I think.
0: No, we probably all know this the COVID club is a real thing. You're either part of the club or you're not. So this really isn't even about anti-vax or pro-vax. This is about whether or not you're willing to toe the line and be a part of the tribe. And COVID has presented to us the worst instance of tribalism that I've seen in a long time. And we could dig into that a little bit further and, and, and talk about the evils of tribalism that COVID has created, which I think is showing up in the ill effects that it's having on schools and school aged children, which right now, they're in a lot of trouble, by the way. Uh, if, if the school district doesn't get things right with COVID, they're going to find that um, there's a rude awakening for them in the future. So the, the tribe of COVID is injuring kids and it's injuring the school district. But I don't want to go there as much as I just want to say this. I have a solution for the incredible tribalism of our time. I have two thoughts that could change everything specifically with COVID tribalism. Now, fair warning, these are pretty radical ideas. So you may want to brace yourself, put on a helmet. If you you need that trigger warning here, the first approach that we could take to tribalism and specifically COVID tribalism is we could leave each other alone. After all, If the science is so powerful and the government is our daddy, then surely it's powerful enough to protect us, even from those who disagree with us. Maybe even powerful enough to protect us with from those with natural immunity, which we know is better than vaccine immunity, by the way. So we could leave each other alone. Second, you could place your faith in something bigger than the government and bigger than corrupt bureaucrats. I know, crazy suggestion. But it's possible that if we start focusing on something bigger than ourselves, we might even actually find the power to improve ourselves. You know, the power to make ourselves better that can come from faith in something bigger than ourselves. And with that power, we could go back to the first suggestion. We'll find the the source of strength to improve ourselves. And in so doing, we'll discover that improving ourselves and taking care of ourselves is a full-time job. Now, I'm not suggesting that we don't need to pioneer causes and that we don't need to stand up for for things like the unborn. I've never had an abortion and I'm not a woman, but I still believe in my right to stand up for life and to stand up for the unborn. Why? Because it's good. And that category still exists. But we'll never be able to discover good and bad in those categories as long as we're so preoccupied with what everybody else is doing. We might also discover that there's still room to make a difference in others' lives and to even engage in, in holy and good activism if we're basing it on something bigger than our own personal opinion. Now, isn't that the real thing at the end of the day? Whenever you find people like those on The View who want their personal opinion to matter more than it should and they want to impose that upon others, now that's a problem. But when truth is on your side, then you fight and you fight like hell, and you fight for the right reasons, and you stand up for it, just like those in Canada, and just like Joe Rogan. All right, so let's jump into our final segment, Christianity, Not Today. Okay, so in our final segment, we're going to look at uh, something that I was just kind of intriguing to me, and I think it flows along nicely with our subject for today in terms of tribalism. And so we're looking at the tribe of Christianity and we're looking at the tribe of the soft progressivism in Christianity today. By and large, Christianity is still inundated with conservative notions and inundated with, I would say, traditional views on things like sexuality and marriage and that kind of stuff. However, more and more, we're treating truth as relative and we're becoming more and more progressive. So I wouldn't say that the Christian movement of today is ate up with progressivism. I would just say that there are ideological notions that are in, infiltrating Christianity and becoming more and more prevalent. Um, and I think that's specifically true of the clip I want to show you today. Um, so you can take a look at this pastor saying some things about Christianity that that I think are very, very relevant to the topic today. Um, And again, this is a pastor in New York City. The pastor's name is irrelevant and the church is irrelevant. What he says is actually the point. So check this out.
1: Christianity is not fundamentally a religion of people who know the truth, inviting people who are wrong to believe the truth. It's about people who are humble and who have found life, inviting people who are proud to lay down their pride and in humility find the same life.
0: Now, when anybody says something like Christianity is, your ears should perk up a little bit and you should pay attention. When somebody makes the audacious claim and the important claim, Christianity is fundamentally blank. Now that you should really pay attention to. And when a pastor especially comes and tells you Christianity is fundamentally blank and then they proceed to tell you only about Christians and how they should behave rather than Jesus and who he was, you can rest assured that that individual has either no understanding of Christianity whatsoever or they are lying to you. Now, there's little room for middle ground here because when somebody comes and says that they fundamentally understand Christianity as a behavior pattern in Christians that they should Be humble, right? And that's what fundamental—that's what fundamental Christianity looks like. Um, It's a little bit disturbing, for many reasons. Not the least of which is that the pastor there seems to be painting a picture that to say that you have the truth and that you know the truth and that you believe that Jesus is the truth and the only truth, clearly that is a prideful thing to do. So that juxtaposition, right, is the, is the real problem in what he's saying, is that to demand that there is truth and to demand that Jesus is the truth, the way, and the lie, uh, that 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 statement is innately prideful. And, the, and the, more than that, the the intention or the, the desire to share that truth with other people as the exclusive truth, well, that's prideful. And we shouldn't, we shouldn't be anything but humble. Now, the direct opposite is actually the truth. Quite frankly, these pastors are more concerned with rubbing people the wrong way than they are with actually preaching the truth. Now, certainly Christians have done this. Uh, and and they have an opportunity to, they have the tendency to use truth as a billy club. Now, I get it. But it doesn't mean that we stop preaching the truth. And it doesn't mean that it's prideful to suggest that you know the truth. Now, why does he want to castigate Um, knowing the truth and sharing the truth and connect that with with pride and assume that actually just this mealy mouth, assuming that we're wrong about everything and we're just trying to do the best that we can. And that's why we need Jesus because we're so wrong about everything. Why is he doing that? I can only imagine he's doing that because the pop culture sentiment, so this is not all pastors, but the pop culture sentiment today in many churches is that they are too afraid to actually speak the truth. They don't want to be unfiltered. Why? Because they don't want to be divisive. They don't want to be political, as it were. Because, of course, the worst thing that you could possibly do is be political. Now, if by that you mean endorsing a specific political candidate um, mindlessly and without Biblical warrant for that, which you really, you clearly don't have very often. It's, it's the lesser of two evils in almost every single election I've ever seen in my life. I didn't vote for Donald Trump because it was a pillar of morality. I voted voted against Hillary Clinton because she was absolutely the worst. So again, it is not because. We vote for a specific political candidate when we say "don't be political." What, what these? Because that rarely happens, right? We usually don't think this is the divine elected person God wants us to vote for, in in Christian realms at least. What, what, what people actually mean by that is "don't be divisive." Don't be divisive because the worst thing that you could possibly be is divisive. That's obviously prideful, isn't it? Because we're supposed to just reach everybody and love everybody. And while we're supposed to reach everybody and love everybody, we do that with the truth. Jesus himself said this, I came not to bring peace, but I came to bring a sword, to divide people that are in the same household against each other. What is Jesus saying there? Not that he's purposely and intentionally being divisive. Jesus is just saying saying this the truth by nature of it being the truth will be divisive now we've got to get back to this understanding because in light of missing this understanding what we're actually doing is we're robbing people of a institution of a, of a of a notion in that institution the church i'm speaking of a notion in that institution that that we can be a blessing and that we should join the tribe of those declaring the truth and understanding reality in the way that it is supposed to be perceived in such a way that we can help people if they accept and adopt that notion. Now, yeah, I understand that's prideful to people who don't understand truth as a notion and don't understand what Christianity has stood for throughout the ages. But for those of us in the church, I mean, for crying out loud, we don't. <laughs> we need to do more of this, not less of it. All right, and so here's Ray Comfort writing for the Christian Post about kind of this very progressive notion that's inundating our churches today. And he says this, Jesus didn't come for hurting people. And I'm going to read this whole article to you because I believe that it's, it's worthwhile. Did you know that Jesus didn't just come for hurting people? When the Bible speaks of laboring and being heavy laden, it's not referring to being down because we've been hurt or because of an weight of the problems of this life. We come to Jesus because we are laboring and are heavy laden under the weight of our sins. That's why we need a savior. And it's when our sins are forgiven that we find rest for our souls. It's not to have our problems fixed. If you don't think I'm right, let's consider the thief on the cross. He had a big problem. He was nailed to a cross and he was slowly dying. To say that he was hurting is a massive understatement. So we turned to Jesus, but it wasn't to have his problems fixed. It was to have his sins forgiven. He was a thief, and because he was aware of his sin, the fear of the Lord filled his dying soul. And when the other thief wanted the problem fixed, this man rebuked him. The one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, "Do do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? The thief on the cross came to faith in Christ, Jesus. Then, a Roman guard took a spear and broke both his legs. That, no doubt, added to his agony and then suffocated him to death. That was the beginning of, of his wonderful new life in Christ. But if you wanted to harden the world to the true gospel, go ahead and tell them the lie that Jesus will fix their problems. But give them a Bible that removes Stephen from being stoned to death, James from being beheaded, and Paul and ten other disciples from being murdered for their faith. Cross out the verses that speak of fiery trials, of much tribulation, the inevitability of persecution, and being hated for the name of Jesus. And when your hearers decide it's time for Jesus to fix their problems, they will ask him into their heart rather than repent of their sin. And that will add to the millions who have already fallen away and become angry that Jesus didn't solve their problems. So perhaps it's that pastors are afraid of being divisive, but perhaps it's also, too, that pastors are afraid of losing people. And they feel that if they can promise them things, if they can promise them that they'll never be offended, if they can promise them that nobody will ever contradict them or rebuke them with the truth of God's word, then maybe those people will stick around. If we can paint the picture of Christianity as just this humble, passive, weak religion that will never do anything to, do, to, to offend you and never do anything to contradict what you already think, well then perhaps we can win a huge amount of people into our seats. But perhaps we should go back to the truth and be more concerned with winning converts. To the truth of the gospel. Now, whether you're a Christian or not, I would encourage you to think about this. Where's your tribe? What tribe do you ascribe to? Is that a tribe that's trying to impose their will upon other people because they just self righteously think they're right? Or are they a tribe that's standing based upon an objective standard? You may even think Christians are wrong in their objective standard and may think they're wrong in declaring that the Bible is true. And what does that even mean? We don't have time to get into it. However, it doesn't take away the reality that if you are not a Bible-believing individual, you have no objective standard by which to lean upon. You can only claim some type of fundamental right or some kind of fundamental truth that's obvious to everybody. But you don't have a belief in a God that creates objective reality, that created truth that you're believing in that directs you into that truth and has written that truth for us to, to clearly understand from the objective standard of scripture. So, if you are tribe truth and you have an objective standard by which to judge that truth, then all the more jump in. But if this is mindless tribalism that merely promotes one point of view over another, or promotes any individual that doesn't really have merit to what they're saying, but just has a vocal minority alongside of them, declaring that they know the science. Well, then we could do with a little less of that kind of tribalism. I hope you are tribe truth, and that you resist any extortion that tries to call you prideful for standing for that truth. Nonetheless, I wish you courage in your fight for the truth, And in your stance for that, which is right, we need more people in the game, not less. If you're worn out, take a small break, but jump back into the fray. Thanks so much for watching. We'll catch you next time. You can catch brand new episodes of Indie Thinker with Reid Huberman every Monday and weekly bonus episodes to keep you thinking throughout the week. But you have to subscribe and click the bell to be notified when new episodes drop. If you enjoy this content, make sure to like this video and share it with friends.